Welcome to the Impactful Leadership Show. I'm your host, Greg McDonough. John Lennon once said, a dream you dream alone is only a dream. A dream you dream together is reality. Join me as we connect dreams to reality by chatting with innovators from around Washington, DC. Our show is proudly sponsored by the DC chapter of the Entrepreneurs Organization. This is the Impactful Leadership Show. Welcome to the Impactful Leadership Show. I'm your host, Greg McDonough, CEO of Blackburn Capital Advisors. Today's guest has spent the last 15 years speaking to audiences in every inhabited continent. He has worked with the Air Force, Australian government, Fortune 500 companies such as Microsoft, AT&T, United Health Group, my alma mater, Fannie Mae, and State Farm Insurance. Prior to becoming a certified speaking professional, he was a leadership professor and a stand-up comedian. Interesting combination for sure. Between presentations, he is competing in ultra marathons and Ironman triathlons, which I can attest to, as I saw David at Ironman Maryland a handful of years ago. He's the author of The Pink Goldfish, The Four Factors of Effective Leadership, The Freak Factor, and The Freak Factor for Kids. Please welcome David Randell. Welcome, Dave. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, I just did a, uh, somebody challenged me on that one. So like in between presentations, you do whatever. So literally last week, I spoke in Kansas City on Monday, flew back, did some coaching on Tuesday, did a presentation for half a day in the morning for one of my clients in Raleigh, flew to Florida, did two days of speaker training, um, taught two days of speaker training, um, got back on Friday night around midnight, got to the hotel at 1 a.m. and at 6.30 a.m. started a 12-hour run and um, ran until 6.30 p.m. And then this week, so definitely in between presentations, I do Ironmans. And, and in fact, the one you saw me in Maryland, um, I had spoken for, I went to Maryland, got my bike set up, got checked in for the race, flew cross-country, to speak to EO in Orange County because um, you have to set up early. You can't like show up the day of the race. So I went, set up, flew all the way across the country from Maryland to Orange County, spoke for the EO chapter there. It was in the evening, flew overnight back, um, you know, to then get checked in and everything and, and handle all the details and then race the next day. So in between presentations, <laughs> I do Ironmans and Ultra marathons. That's fantastic. Um, well, we'll get into that in a lot more detail a little bit later. Um, this th my podcast is about leadership, and my favorite question to ask my guests, Dave, is tell me about some misconceptions in leadership. I think the biggest mis misconception we have in leadership is that we're going to change people, um, that we can turn people into what we want them to be, um, because they have the potential to be anything that they wanted to be if they just wanted it bad enough and tried hard enough. So it's our job to get them to want it bad enough and to try hard enough. Um, and so we kind of think, you know, if you just give me anybody um, as a leader, I can turn them into what I want. And we do this with kids. We do this with employees. We do this with ourselves. Um, you know, when I, I, I have a undergraduate and master's degree in, in psychology and what surprised me the most while I was learning that stuff was you'd think once somebody goes to therapy and asks for help, they'd be just like, Hey, Greg, you know what, what should I do? 
And instead, 90% of psychology education is how do you how do you help somebody without telling them what to do? How do you help somebody without, you know, starting an argument with them about how they should behave? How do you? And so what it really turns out is that even when people are desperate to change, people don't change that much. And so I think most of leadership is about understanding who people are, working with what they are, not trying to turn them into something else, trying to help them find situations that maximize their effectiveness. It isn't, I can turn you into a sales guy. Um, I can turn you into a customer service person. I can turn you into, no, you can't. You know, there's some people who know how to sell and no one's ever taught them how. And there's other people who have been to tons of training and they still can't do it. You know, and you can't, the other thing you can't is you can't teach someone to like it. You can't teach someone to want to do it. You can't teach someone to be passionate about it. I can give you the skills, um, but I can't give you the passion. I can't give you the excitement. Um, I can't get you to love it. Um, you know, I could show you how to do an Ironman, I could show you how to do an ultra marathon, but I can't make you want to run. I can't make you love to run. I can't, and nobody did it to me. Nobody caused me to enjoy being outside. Nobody caused me to enjoy being in motion. Nobody caused me to like big challenges. Um, so I think that's the biggest mix, misconception because that's what I think a lot of people think leadership is. I'm going to make these people do this. I'm going to get people to want to do this. I'm going to get people excited about this. I'm going to turn this person into something they're not. I think we can draw out, you know, what's inside of somebody. We can, but but I think I think that's one of the biggest, and that that leads to tons of first. Oh, this person just didn't want it. You know, or it wasn't for them. Oh, this person's just no good. Or they were in the wrong spot. This person's lazy. You know, you can Google, I got fired and it was the best thing that ever happened to me. And you can just read for days. So some boss, some leader was like, this person's a bum. And then they become like one of the most successful people on earth, right? So were they a bum? No, they were in the wrong spot. They were doing something they had no business doing. They were, and it was a relief to them because when they got fired, then it freed them up to go do the thing they should have been doing anyway. Um, so yeah, that's my, I'm getting freaking out here because I get excited about that, but. <laughs> that, yeah. That's a great one. They're digging a little bit deeper. You mentioned as a leader, you know, understanding the people that we're working with. Could you give us a little bit more insight around like, what are what are some ways to to better understand somebody's role versus what they're passionate about other than just hey let's have a conversation are there certain things or certain traits that you've seen that help match one thing to another well i mean let's talk about what not to do i remember one time i was reading like an article or something and it was like go into your employee's space when they're not there and like look at the pictures. It's like, oh, that's a terrible idea. Like, that's super creepy. You know, oh, there's pictures of them fishing. All right. That's a motivator. You know, oh, there's pictures of their family. Okay. Talk about their family. So I, I, I mean, you said other than a conversation, I mean, I do think that's where it starts. But again, sometimes people aren't going to be honest about that because they're going to be like, you know, put me in coach. I can do whatever you need me to do. I'm happy to help. Um, nope, I, I don't pigeonhole me. No, I, I, can, I can do anything. Um, just, you know, give me the opportunity. Um, so rarely are people going to tell you, you know, I'm not good at that. Ooh, I don't like that. Mm. Because they're afraid that that's going to cost them their job or cost them a promotion or something like that. Um, so, I mean, I think it's just something to always be doing. I mean, does this person seem to thrive when they're on their own? Do they thrive when they're in groups of people? Do they like to start early? Do they always work late? Do they, um, 
do they like new projects and like change and, and trying to improve things? Or are they a systematizer who likes to kind of grind things out and make things function and, and keep things moving? So I think it's just a good question to constantly be asking. And I was just doing some coaching on this yesterday. You know, I think the best assumption is because we tend to do the opposite is just to assume no one's anything like you. You know, just walk in and go, I bet no one's like me at all. I bet none of my employees are like me at all. Um, I bet they're all completely different in every possible way. Um, but I think that's where it starts too. If you don't have that self-awareness, well, I just get done what needs to get done. Well, that's a characteristic. That's responsibility. That's discipline. That's There's a lot of things about that um, that are who you are. Um, it's not necessarily who you turned yourself into. So for example, I mean... We're on a podcast and people who listen to podcasts tend to be people who are trying to learn and grow. And so, you know, one of the big things in leadership is like leaders are readers, you know, leaders are readers. Well, I'm a huge reader, but I'm not a reader because I'm disciplined. I'm a reader because I like it. I don't listen to podcasts because I should. I listen to podcasts because I want to. Um, and so I think sometimes leaders don't even understand themselves. They think that um, they're trying harder than they are. They think they're working harder than they are. When I think a lot of times they're doing exactly what they want to do. And then when other people don't want to do it, then those people need to toughen up and harden up and all these kinds of things. When I think the per so I stopped being like, you should read. And I started being like, look, I like to read. And I think you should be learning, but you don't need to be reading. You could be listening to podcasts. You can be listening to audiobooks. You can be going to seminars. You can be going back to school. You can be taking certification classes. You could be having conversations with interesting people. You can be taking online LinkedIn courses. There's a million ways to learn without reading. You can be traveling. I think traveling is one of the, you can learn tons of stuff by traveling. Mm -hmm. um, so I think we like to, again, take certain virtues that we have um, and 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 make them universal virtues and then push other people to do them instead of saying, I run because I like to run. I read because I like to read. Uh, I didn't turn myself into that kind of person. That's, that's the kind of person I am. Um, and if someone else isn't into that, the question is, you know, are they a good fit for this? Maybe they're not, but also maybe the way I do it isn't the only way it's done. Maybe it's good for me, but maybe it isn't good for them. Maybe there's a better way for them. The, the self-awareness piece is crucial, right? Especially as it comes into leadership, right? Because um, you got to start with yourself. Any recommendations or tips or trip tips or tricks to a, a young entrepreneur, young leader in that self-discovery, that self-awareness process as they as they continue through their leadership journey? Well, I think two things. I mean, number one, you have to, you just have to do assessments. You know, the fastest way to get there is to just, you can sit in your room and go, hmm, who am I? Right. It, the faster is multiple choice. You know, if I say, Greg, list five of your strengths and you go, okay, well, let's see. But if I go, here's a list of 50 things, pick your top five you're going to be a little more effective. And you're also going to see some other things along the way. And you're also going to go, well, this one is a little more than that one. So, but when you're just off the top of your head, you might even come up with four and be like, I'm done. I don't know the rest. So assessments are a great way to not just understand yourself, but understand yourself in relation to other people. Like if you do the disc, 
you know, you're like, I'm a D, but also I'm not an I and I'm not an S and I'm not a C, but other people are. And this characteristic is kind of the opposite of that characteristic. And the people who are good at this are bad at that. So you not only start understanding yourself, you understand yourself. Because I think a lot of times, again, we're all we know, right? Oh, you know, people ask me, I'm six foot six, you know, how does it feel to be that tall? Well, I don't know, because I've only ever been in this body, right? It feels the way it always feels. I didn't wake up one day six foot six, it happened really slowly, right? Being me is all I've ever been. So people feel normal, or they think that it must be a pretty similar experience to what everybody else is happening, but rarely is it. So going, oh, not only am I this kind of person, but that's not the way everybody else is. And other people are distinctly different in these other ways and starting to have some of those realizations, you know. So I think do as many of them as you can. Do the MBTI, do the Strengths Finder, do the Colby, do the Enneagram, you know, pick maybe one a year and really try to dig in on it. But the other thing, you know, and I think you need feedback from others, and especially when you're a, a leader, it can be hard to get accurate feedback from people. You can have people kissing butts, you can have people sucking up, you can have people who are afraid to give you honest feedback. But on the other hand, I also think, you know, sometimes we're too open to feedback. Um, I'll give you a, an example that isn't sort of self-awareness feedback, but we talk about this in Pink Goldfish, you know, the guy who started Snapchat he originally pitched the idea in a graduate school class. Um, and the other students in the graduate school class were like, "Boo, that's a bad idea. You know, you shouldn't have the pictures disappear. Everything else is good, but don't have the pictures disappear. You know, don't do the only unique thing about this business idea you have. Just do it like Instagram, do it like Flickr, do it like all the other photo sharing sites, right? Just do that. And that would be great. And there was a VC in the back who was like, I'll do a deal with you, but only if we do a business partnership with Best Buy. And so in that case, if he listens to those people, um, he doesn't have a good business and he doesn't become a multi-billionaire and we're not all doing Snapchat. And not only are we not doing Snapchat, forget Snapchat. Instagram has stories now. And what are stories? Stories are photos and text that disappears after a certain period of time. Facebook has stories now, photos and text that disappear. LinkedIn even has stories, photos and text that disappear at a certain period of time. Mm -hmm. Snapchat not only won and had success and carved out a niche in an already seemingly clogged social media landscape, but they changed every other one where they were like, oh, the picture doesn't need to be there forever. Oh, this doesn't have to be available for the next 10 years. We don't have to store this on our servers indefinitely. So... I do think that 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 feedback from other people is always tainted because how do they know more about you than you do? All they have is their perspective on you. So for example, if I go, oh, Greg, I think you're overconfident. Is that a blood test? Did I draw blood and you had, you know, 0.2% over the, the correct level of confidence? No, that's my assessment. And maybe I'm not a very confident person. So you come across as cocky to me. But I think we've both probably met people who are incredibly confident, who would tell us, dude, step it up, man. Like, have, stop being so shy. Stop being so humble. Stop being so reserved. Be a little more assertive. So now you have a different person telling you that you're a wallflower. You have a different person telling you uh, that you don't have any juice at all, that you don't seem to have any intensity. You don't seem to have any confidence at all. And meanwhile, somebody else is telling you you've got too much. 
So I think we have to be careful with that. I mean, as a leader, you have one employee. I mean, this is why I don't love 360s. You know, oh, Greg, I mean, imagine you've got two employees, Greg, and I'll play both of them, right? First one's Matt, right? And go, Matt, what do you think about Greg? Oh, man, love me some Greg. Greg's always checking in on me, talking to me, giving me ideas, looking over my work, giving me feedback, asking me questions. Oh, love me some Greg. All right, well, let's give Greg a raise and Greg's the greatest. But Steve, how's Greg doing? Oh my gosh, Greg's always checking up on me and asking me questions and looking over my shoulder, you know, micromanaging me like a gigantic loser. I hate Greg. So you're doing the same thing and one person thinks you're wonderful and one person thinks you're terrible. And what do you do with that feedback? Now, the classic is situational leadership. You just give both people what they want. But think about that. If you can adapt your leadership for every single person that works for you, wouldn't it actually be easier for every single person who works for you to adapt the way they behave to your leadership, right? If it's possible for me to just because again, remember, we can't just be whatever we want to be. So, so if employee says, well, I just really want you to be hands off and leave me alone and give me a lot of autonomy and delegate tons of stuff to me and not check in. And I'm a real operational leader. I'm a real execution-based leader. I'm a real detail-oriented person. I'm a person who really likes to be involved and really likes to be connected. Well, I'm just supposed to transform my entire personality for this one person? Is that really? And then there's somebody else who has a unique need and somebody else who has a unique need and somebody else has a unique need, right? I don't know that that's realistic. Another way is like um, Marshall Goldsmith says in What Got You Here Won't Get You There, which is to write a how to deal with me memo and go, look, I'm a direct, mm -hmm. straightforward leader who's always going to check up on you and check in. I'm execution focused. Um, I like a lot of information. I like a lot of communication. I like a lot of connection with people. And you might see that as micromanagement, but that's not what it is, but that's me. And if that's not for you, then this may not be the spot for you. And I may not be the leader for you. And this might not be the right fit, you know? So be careful, I think, of that kind of feedback, because I think you need self-awareness. But I think a lot of the feedback we get is negative. And a lot of the stuff we get is like, oh, be careful with that characteristic. Oh, watch out for that. And that's sometimes what we seek out. I need to find out what's wrong. So I think that's another thing is maybe when you're trying to develop that self-awareness, try to figure out why you're in the position. Why are you a young leader? Why are you leading a company at a young age? Why are you 20 years ahead in your career over somebody who's going to spend maybe a lifetime trying to become the CFO or the CEO and you're already running your own thing? Why, why did you have that level of success? Why are you able to create like that? And instead of always thinking, I've got to find my Achilles heel or I've got to find that little thing that's wrong with me, you know, ask yourself what's right and what's working and why is it working and, and look for ways to build on that. Yeah, just to celebrate why you're there and how you how you got there for sure. You know, David, I'd like to shift gears slightly, but stay underneath the the leadership title. Um, in particular, talking about leadership in kids and that dynamic. You know, I'm a parent of two girls. I try to lead them with an entrepreneurial mindset, um, but at times you just got to be a parent, right? Talk to us about that dynamic or leadership. I guess more specifically, how to how to help kids with their leadership journey? Well, I think it's the same. What do you mean when you said I'm an entrepreneur, but sometimes I just have to be a parent? What do you mean? Like you have to do something differently, you think? Or what do you, what do you mean when you say sometimes I just have to be a parent? It's really around like short circuiting the answer. Like 
I don't have time to debate this. This is the way I want it to go. We're going like get in the car, right? Versus the creative thinking, you know, it's, and it's right, totally right, right. Sides Sometimes I don't have time point. for your individuality. <laughs> yeah. Right. So I, I think, you know, we just want to minimize those things, but I mean, let's take it more seriously, right? I'm not going to wear my seatbelt. Well, yeah, you are, you know, I'm going to run out into the street in front of a semi. Well, no, you're not. Um, so yes, I, I just think we overestimate the degree to which that's important. Um, I mean, I'll tell you an extreme version of this. I mean, EO is big on experience shares, right? So my daughter, uh, my middle daughter was really smart. And also she had a head start because she had an older sister and they were basically a team. So she basically lived her life like she was that older sister from a very young age. And so when her older sister was learning to read in kindergarten, she started to learn to read too, you know, even though she was only three. Um, and so when she went to kindergarten, she could read. And kindergarten isn't even about reading. It's about reading readiness. So she didn't even need to read in kindergarten. So we knew something was weird when they put her in a reading group by herself. And we're like, they're already hurting your education, you know, because that's not what group means. Group means more than one person. Um, and we asked the school and the teacher said, um, your daughter's a really good reader. And I said, I know it's excellent genetics and fantastic parenting, but I wanted to know, you know, why she's in a reading group by herself. And she said, and this is, this blew me away. And this is why we have to, we have to circumvent this process as parents. She said, and this is a private school that I pay for with the idea that they're going to give my child a better education than if I just throw them in a system that's kind of designed for everyone and no one, right? That's the idea, but it doesn't always turn out that way. She says, well, we decided to put your daughter in a group by herself um, and let her do her own thing. And we think by the end of the year, the other kids will have caught up, right? Their goal wasn't to make my daughter more exceptional, their goal was to make the other kids normal. And maybe if my daughter got a little stupider over the course of the year, that would actually be a good thing because that would make it easier to go to first grade if she wasn't a gigantic weirdo, right? So I sent an educated person to a, an institution of education and they were like, boo, thumbs down. Uh, why did you have to cause these problems? So we got her tested and um, she tested out as higher than most of the first graders and she was in kindergarten. And so one of the options is to skip a grade, right? That's how you kind of re, you know, get a kid into a situation where they're going to be challenged again by pushing them forward a little bit. So we did some, some research and we talked to the school and things like that. And there's basically an equal number of pros and cons for skipping a grade. You know, your kid might end up the smallest in their class and everyone else is driving and they're not and they can't make the basketball team because they're tiny and everybody else has hit puberty, all these kinds of things, right? But also if they're bored in school from a young age, they might become a delinquent and might become miserable and bored and not hit their academic. I mean, there's just, it's, there's no perfect decision. So we, we let our five-year-old, I remember she was still sitting in the car seat, right? She was in the back seat of the minivan and we decided it's a coin flip. It doesn't, it, it's one, it, it's six of one, half dozen of the other. It doesn't, there's no right answer. So we asked our five-year-old, what do you want to do? She goes, second grade. And she did it. We let a kid in a car seat decide their educational future. Um, my, my oldest never wanted to do sports and we allowed her to stay on a sports. I, and, and this is crucial. Even though I played every sport 
I had a college scholarship to basketball. I believe sports are a powerful way to develop a person. They shaped my life in so many ways, but I'm not going to push that on her. Mm. And then in sixth grade, and she, and she even could articulate sports is not my thing. So I think that we overdo, I think from a very young age, kids can know who they are. I think we should help that process. I mean, just today, um, what did, what did, what I post on uh, Facebook? It said, kids are not things to be molded. Um, they are stories to be unfolded or something like that, right? Mm -hmm. we, we think I'm going to turn, it goes back to leadership. I'm going to turn this kid into something. I'm going to turn him into an athlete. I'm going to turn him into an entrepreneur. I don't care if my kids are entrepreneurs. I want them to know that's an option, but it's not the right choice for everyone. Um, and I just want them to know you can do what you choose to do. Um, you don't have to choose what I've told you to do, or there's no one right way. Jobs can be fine. Nonprofits can be fine. Government can be fine. Entrepreneurship can be fine. What's the right thing for you, not what's the right thing? So I, I do think there's times when we have to be a parent. I think where we we're you know, in your case, where you're just saying you have to do this right now. Um, but I think we once you decide that, it ends up happening far too often, and then it just gets extended mm. to situations in which it just isn't true. And so I think we need to be far more open at a far younger age. to be, 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 They'll say little kids don't know who they are. They don't know what they want. My oldest, I'll give you an example. My oldest, and I'm sure you can think of examples of this, and you could challenge other people to do the same. It was the first day of kindergarten. My oldest was standing at the foot of my bed. You know, like they do where you just wake up and they're just, <laughs> right? It was 6.15 in the morning. School didn't start till eight. She had her backpack on. She had her entire outfit on. She was completely dressed. She'd already had her breakfast. And she was like, I think it's time to go. Are you ready? She's been an adult since she was born, right? She's been, she's more mature than us. She wants to be 15 minutes early to everything. And then she yells at us when she yells at us when we're too loud, when she's trying to sleep, because she's gone to bed at a reasonable hour. And we stay up late to watch the football game, even though we have work the next day and we should go to sleep. She's been an adult since she was a child, right? So don't tell me you can't see someone, you can see someone's personality from a very young age. Are they active? Do they like to be by themselves? Um, are they very communicative? Same thing. She's been incredibly communicative her whole life. And, and the, our middle child, she hardly talks at all. In fact, if you say, Emma, you don't talk very much, do you? She goes. So again, that's an example. Well, I'm the parent. They just need to communicate with me. Communication is good. Communication is the most important part of relationships. So I'm going to just badger that person. Well, guess what happens when you badger a quiet, introverted person about talking? You make them want to talk even less. Mm -hmm. I'm going to force them to do it. No, you're not. Because even when a kid's little, I mean, think about it. You can't force it. There's three things you can't force a kid to do. You can't force them to eat, right? You try to force something. You literally kill them, cause them to choke to death. You try to force them to eat something. You can't force anybody to sleep. Imagine it. You're screaming at them to sleep, right? You're threatening them into sleep. None of those things work. Um, and you can't force a kid to go to the bathroom. And in fact, the more, again, you try, the more the more panicked they're likely to be and the less likely it is to happen. And the more likely you are to cause some kind of trauma. So even when you're bigger, stronger, faster, smarter, you can't force a toddler to do basic functions of life. You need to rely on them sort of choosing to do it for themselves. Um, so again, it's not like you don't guide. It's not like you don't direct. It's not like you don't have values. Um, but at the same time, again, I think we have to always reimagine what good is. What is a good kid? What is a good mm -hmm. adult? What is a good life? Because we have our definition, but our child might have a different, our child loves adventure and we love structure. 
our child loves freedom and we love routine, you know? And so then we try to change them and push them because that's the right way. That's the good way. I mean, I had somebody recently who was asking me at a, <laughs> when I was um, emceeing a nerve, you know, oh, my kid sleeps in. And I'm like, okay, well, what, what's the big deal? Well, I just think people should get up earlier. Why? Does he stay up late? Yeah. Doing what? Working on his business. <laughs> you know, and even once we started talking about it, he's like, yeah, I guess it's dumb. But in his mind, like you should get up early and start the day. But some people are more effective once the sun goes down and everybody goes to bed and things slow down. And that's when they focus. If How many kids have even started a business? So the kid's busy up late. <laughs> working on his business. So he's tired. So he sleeps in and then it's like, well, good people wake up early. No, they don't. But we've been taught that early to bed and early to rise. No. So we have these things. We have these, I think this is good, which is usually based on I'm like this and I'm good. So then this is good instead of this is good for me. So one of the phrases I try to teach parents is I don't like it, but it's not bad. Right. I don't like it, but it's not bad. And even look at the things that, that I mean, Craig, you and I are probably a similar age. You might be a little younger. I don't know. But, you know, we grew up with drug abuse, resist, resistance mm. education and say no to drugs. And this is your brain on drugs. And marijuana is a gateway to the hard drugs. And now freaking Snoop Dogg has affirmation songs for children. He has partnerships with Martha Stewart. He smokes weed every single day of his life, and he's one of the most successful people on the planet, you know? And so you can either, like, keep going with, you can keep doubling down on drugs are always bad. And then look at all the pharmaceuticals people are giving to us and all of the, the prescription drugs they're saying that we need and all these kinds of things and all the ways that those drugs do, in fact, help people live more stable lives and battle their depression and their anxiety and and, and look at the way marijuana has been legalized and the way people are taking it in small doses to manage their anxiety instead of taking hardcore pharmaceutical drugs and, and all these things. And so I think we have to be open to changing our mind about things that we've been taught were true or that, that, that we thought were true or that seemed to be true for us. And that can be difficult to do. But I do think the I'm the parent and I'm in charge and I'm just going to force this because, again, you'll find a kid who won't let you force it, you know. Um, you know, our youngest was like, I mean, and, and think about the worst of the worst of the examples. Um, you know, if a kid is 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 depressed or anxious or upset, um, you can't force them into health. You can't force them into mental health. Mm -hmm. um, and if you push too hard, they might decide this isn't worth it. Nobody loves me. I'm the worst. Um, and I need to just end it. And people do that. So if someone, one of somebody's options is suicide, what are you going to, how are you going to force them? How are you going to push them? How are you going to demand that they behave in a different way when one of their options is I'll just exit this entire situation? So that's another example. And I think a lot of that comes from times from a lack of acceptance, from a lack of a supportive environment and people being around who have that person's best interest at heart instead of, and that's a real warning I'd give to the entrepreneurs you know, my daughter, the same one who skipped a grade, she also did homeschool in high school. She, We found a university program that had a high school curriculum, and it was actually very unique. And then she would just go to school on her computer every day. This is way before the pandemic. And then she got a two-year college degree in high school. And when she asked to do that, my wife was skeptical, 
And I said, I have an unconventional work life. Why can't my kid have an unconventional school life? Mm -hmm. So one of the things I see happen with entrepreneurs is you have somebody who struggles in school, maybe doesn't even make it, or maybe just barely makes it through high school, probably got expelled from at least one school along the way, probably has some dyslexia or some ADHD or both. And then they start their own business because college isn't really going to be for them and work isn't really, employment isn't really for them. And they have some success and they get married and they have some kids. And then what do they want for their kids? They want their kids to do good in school, go to a good college and get a good job because now I got friends at the country club, right? Now I live in the suburbs. Now I you know, meet up for golf with the guys and, you know, all of their kids are going to Harvard and, and all of their kids are, are working for hedge funds and all of their kids do things that are easy to be obviously externally proud of. Does that make sense? And mm -hmm. they're getting good grades and crushing their AP classes and they're in whatever. They're having those traditional signs of success and my kid isn't. And so I'm pushing my kid to be successful in the ways that I never was, right? That's not, again, that's not fair, but we change our definition of what good is because now it's about, you know, this new life that we have that we didn't used to have before, but we forget we got that life without following that path. So even that, that's what I would challenge a lot of the entrepreneurs is, are you giving your kids the same freedom that sometimes you took from your parents and your family, right? Like they didn't want you to be that way. And you decided, well, screw it. I don't care. And they were disappointed in you. I mean, that's what happened to me. They were disappointed in you, in you until you had all the success on the other side. And they're like, oh, okay, well, we like it now. You know, but we were convinced you were going to be a loser for the 25 years in between, but we love it now. And we're a big fan of you now. But all along the way, we told you you're the worst and you were going to fail and it was never going to work out. David, that's... Super insightful. Um, thank you for that. Uh, shifting gears slightly, I'd love to hear- I think hear, we just need uh, to say that a few times. You know, Dave, that was super insightful. Yeah, that's good stuff. I like that's that. That's going to be a snippet. We'll circulate that for sure. I'm going to put that- just, That's my Snoop Dogg affirmations. I'm just going to put that on my phone if I'm ever bummed. It's just Greg going, Dave, that's super insightful. Dave, that's super insightful. Just have that a sample. Brilliant. Um, talk to us about you. Like what? What? Tell. Walk us through your journey, how you- you know, end up becoming a leadership professor, stand-up comedy, professional yeah. speaker. Talk yeah. to us, like, give us your journey. Yeah, I mean, that's the freak factor story, really, right? I was always in trouble because I couldn't sit still and be quiet and do what I was told. Um, and now I get paid to stand up and talk and run my own business, right? People pay me to do the things they used to try to stop me from doing. My parents called me Motormouth and told me I was never going to be successful um, if I couldn't learn to shut up. And now people pay me to talk. And, and even this situation where they don't pay me to talk, they ask me to talk. Um, people, you know, and then people ask to talk on the phone. I mean, last week, uh, an EO introduced me to a Navy SEAL commander that they know and who's looking to get more into the speaking business and said, Dave, you're good at speaking. And this person's trying to get in the speaking business. And I spent two hours on the phone with, you know, a Navy SEAL commander who's been blown up and shot and done things that I can't even imagine and who's better than me in so many different ways. And now I have the opportunity to communicate with him and maybe help him with his business because of the direction that my life has taken. And so, you know, that's the biggest lesson that I took away from that is we're terrible at predicting how people are going to turn out. 
You know, everybody was convinced that I was going to be the worst, my parents, my teachers, and my employers. And so I was as well. And then I've turned out to be very successful and very happy and very fulfilled and have a very good life doing not, not, not because I listened to them, because I accidentally discovered that everything they thought was terrible about me. I mean, even the way we started this just ran 50 miles, ran for 12 hours without stopping. What was I always in trouble for at school? Couldn't sit still. So they call it hyperactive in school. They call it ADHD in school. They say, you've got a problem and you're disruptive and you need to learn to sit still and you need to focus. And as an adult, people are like, holy crap, 50 miles. It's the same thing. It's being it's being overactive. Nobody thinks that's the right amount of activity. Nobody's like, oh yeah, I also pounded out my 12 hours today. That's my daily, you know, just my, you know, my daily routine. So I'm doing all, this is the lesson. I'm doing all of the same things. You know, people have told you you're too analytical. Get a job as an analyst. You're too organized. Become a professional organizer. So that's the, that's the lesson I drew from that experience. And so that's I travel around and show people that their weaknesses are strengths. Their kids' weaknesses are strengths. You want your kid to be more organized. Well, they're messy because that's because they're creative. Uh, you want your kid to be more creative. They're too organized and structured. No, they're not. They're organized and structured. Tap into it and help them. You know, there's too much drama with one of your kids. Get them involved in drama. There's a class called drama. Like the world is trying to help you and you won't focus on it. You know, guess who ends up in drama, right? Is it, and, and guess who's good at it? If you're up there, this is the story of George Washington <laughs> George Washington saved America from the British, right? That's not exciting. It's the person who can start to feel like George Washington, the person who imagines it's the 1700s, the person who can get in character, right? And that person's also probably hard to deal with sometimes because when something doesn't go their way, they get dramatic about it. And so there's all these opportunities to see, and this goes all the way back to what you started with, which was self-assessment, self-awareness. There's all these ways to see the strength hiding inside the weakness, but we don't. We see the weakness and then we think there must be more weakness. Then we start to panic and we think our kid's going to be a bum. And sometimes even the only real reason we're even worried about that is because we're worried about what other people will think about us if our kid is a bum. Instead of saying, do I care more about my kid than what other people think? And am I going to be the one person who in a world of societal expectations, in a world of of uh, an educational system that is focused on a small group of people who don't give the school any problems and everyone else is marginalized for not just drifting through the program as it's created. Am I willing to be my kid's advocate? Am I willing to be the person who helps my kid learn and accept and appreciate more things about themselves? Um, and I think that's that's a big role that we have as parents, but also again as leaders, can we be the person who finds an employee that no one else was looking for, that gives somebody mm -hmm. a chance at success that nobody else? I mean, that's how I started my career was helping people with disabilities to get job opportunities. And some places like Olive Garden would would figure it out. They'd go, well, this person can't be a waitress, and this person can't be a hostess, but this person can put the silverware in the napkin and they can roll it up. And we're paying these other people who can do a lot more to roll up the silverware. And that's what this person can do. So yeah, let's hire this person to come in every day and roll silverware for two hours. It's a good use of our time and money. It's a good use of their skills. 
It's a max for them, but it's well below the minimum of what some other people can do. And we need those people focused on other stuff. We don't need our, our charismatic hostess rolling silverware because we don't have enough. We don't mm. need a person who could be taking an order and really connecting with a family to be rolling silverware or making excuses for why we don't have silverware rolled, right? So I, I think you know that's our job as, as parents and as leaders is to find, because it's easy to be looking for the same good person, good employee that everyone else is looking for. It's easy to look for the same good qualities in our kids that everybody else is looking for. My kid does good in school. They're good at athletics. They, you know, they're good with people, you know, and then as soon as someone's not, well, this, these are problems. We all know adults who love to spend a lot of time by themselves. We all know adults who, who weren't doing good in school. We all know adults who are clumsy and uncoordinated and were never good at sports and they're doing fine, right? They're doing fine. So we think these things are, are, prerequisites or requirements or whatever, and they're not. And they're also some kind of Hollywood, whatever version of what a good life is. It's not actual reality when we really think about it. That's get me fired up, Greg. Get yeah. Are you getting me fired up? Um, so let's put, let's wrap this up, Dave. If audience yeah. member wants to get in touch with you. Uh, what's the best way? How can we find you? Yeah. Um, you know, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook. The easiest way to find me is go to my website, drendal.com. So D-R-E-N-D-A-L-L.com. Um, unfortunately, it turned out to be Dr. Endall. Never thought of that. Um, it was just my first initial in my last name because somebody else had davidrendal.com. And somebody was like, are you into the euthanasia? Are you an end-of-life specialist? And I was like, oh, that's terrible. Um, so Dr. Endall, if you forget how to spell it, but D-R-E-N-D-A-L-L.com. It's got the Freak Factor stuff on there. It's got the Freak Factor for Kids stuff on there. It's got the assessments for kids on there. It's got the kids book as a video um, on there. It's got all my, you know, if you're trying to connect with me on LinkedIn or uh, social media or anything like that, it's got all those kind of links on there, free, free links to the videos from my presentations and stuff like that. So that's the easiest, got my email, my cell phone number, if you want to call me or text me or set up a call or something like that. Awesome. And we'll include all those links and information in our show notes. Um, David, we could talk for hours and hours and we didn't even touch on Ironman stories. Maybe we'll set up a second podcast for that, but I appreciate your insights and and love seeing you on stage and, and absorbing the content that you're coming up with. It's truly powerful. Yeah, I love it. Well, and I love the questions too, because I mean, that's, you know, I'll close with this because I was doing uh, one of my first EO things was like 10 years ago and it was Global Student Entrepreneur Awards in New York. Um, and it was probably my third or fourth EO thing I'd ever done. I never even knew of EO before, but one thing kept leading to another, leading to another. And um, there was, you know, one of the students was in the, the breakout session on the freak factor and we did the assessment and they saw how their weaknesses and strengths were connected. And he's like, so, you know, I'm motivated and ambitious. That's the strength, but the downside is I'm obsessive workaholic. Right. And I'm like, okay. And he's like, so, you know, my girlfriend doesn't like it that I'm, you know, motivated and ambitious. She wants me to just be at home more and spend more time with her. And he's like, so don't I need to fix that? And isn't it a problem that I'm an obsessive workaholic? And I said, well, let's slow down for a second. I said, you are a person who wants to achieve things. I said, you have goals at work. Yep. Do you have um, plans for how you're going to achieve those goals at work? Yep. Do you spend a lot of time tracking and managing and resetting those goals at work? Yep. 
Do you have any goals for your relationship with your girlfriend? No. Do you track, well, the goals you don't have for your relationship with your, no. Do you spend time with your girlfriends? Well, obviously not because you don't have any of the goals, right? I said, I don't want you to be less motivated and ambitious. I want you to be more motivated and ambitious. Just cast a wider net. And that's what I love about your questions. Success, and this is what I love about EO, people aren't just talking about business. In fact, more and more, I was just at EO Arizona. We did a family event. More and more, first of all, people started bringing spouses because they're like, this is good relationship stuff. Then they're like, we need to have the whole family there. Let's have the kids there. And, and that's absolutely fantastic. So what this guy, what I was telling him is you don't need to be less motivated, ambitious. And if anything, you're not motivated and ambitious enough. Right now, you're just motivated and ambitious to have business success. I want you to be greedy, greedy for a full life, greedy to be have a healthy body, a healthy relationship with your spouse or your partner, a healthy relationship with your children, good finances beyond just a good business. Like, do you have underlying, you know, are you an FTX about to happen or do you have good underlying financial strength in your, in your, in your life? Or do you enjoy what you do? Just because your business is working doesn't mean you're happy. Do you have good mental health? I want you to be super greedy, right? And that's what I love about your questions. It wasn't just like, and then what about this kind of employee? And what about if you're trying to execute this kind of strategy? And so that's a good example though, about how that weakness strength, people think, no, I have to fix that. It's like, no, 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 tap into that thing. You're a person who's trying to make things better and get better just broaden the directions in which you're you're pushing that and say, my success in 2023 isn't hitting X in my business. It's hitting Y in my business and also hitting this target with my spouse and hitting this target with my children and hitting this target with my weight and hitting this target with my fitness and hitting this target with, and now it's like, ooh, I'm not ambitious enough because that seems like a lot. And you're like, right. Your problem wasn't you were too motivated and ambitious. Your problem was you were narrowly motivated and ambitious and you were hyper-motivated and ambitious in that one area. But the only way you were going to have success at that is by excluding everything else. And that was bothering people, right? So, you know, that's an example of that, that weakness strength thing kind of combining. But also, you know, that's what I love about the questions you were asking is, I was just telling somebody this in coaching yesterday. Leadership lessons are parenting lessons. Parenting lessons are relationship lessons. Look for the patterns. Look for the themes. Look for that thing you learned at that learning event that will not only help you be a better boss, but a better partner, a better, a better, um, a better parent, a better at choosing your own role in your own company. I mean, that's the other thing I, I challenge EOers on. Make sure you don't turn your your business into a bad job for yourself. You know, it's your company. Why? Why would you, but people, oh, well, I guess this is what I have to do now. You don't have to do it. It's your company. Have somebody else manage it. Sell it. Start another one. You, I got to be a professional now. I got to wear a suit. I got to get excited about spreadsheets. No, you don't. No, you don't. It never has to become something that you don't want to do. So even just applying it to yourself. I love it. And you're going to make me go back and <laughs> rewrite my 2023 goals because <laughs> it is very business focused at the moment. So sure. I appreciate sure. that insight. Yeah. Be more ambitious, be more motivated. Yeah. Awesome, Dave. It was such a All pleasure. Right. Yeah. Thanks, man. Have a good one. You too. And that's a wrap, my friends. Thank you for spending your time with me. For show notes and other episodes, visit us at impactfulleadershipshow.com. One last food for thought. Walk on with hope in your heart and you'll never walk alone.